G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. It is Friday. We do like to check in with Christian cultural commentator Bill Muhlenberg on a Friday, our Culture Watch segment. Bill's been writing this week about the issue of repentance and the gospel because if the gospel means good news, there might be some challenging things we need to look at that the good news addresses. Bill Muhlenberg is back with us. Bill, welcome back to 2020. Great to be back. Bill, you start one of your articles this week with the idea that we have no biblical gospel, no biblical good news if repentance is not part of it. What do you mean by that? Yeah, well, you've already hinted at that. There's really no good news until we first are aware of the bad news. Uh, Sadly, much of our preaching and teaching today tends to uh, overlook that basic fact that uh, the whole reason Christ came uh, as Savior was to save us. So then you have to ask, all right, save us from what? What exactly is the truth of our condition uh, for which Christ had to pay such a heavy price. So obviously the believer should know uh, that we are sinners, alienated from God, shaking our fists at God under the wrath of God, heading for uh, a lost eternity. And unless we turn, uh, unless we repent and put our faith in Christ for what he did on our behalf, Uh, we're still stuck in the bad news. So there's no good news unless that change happens. And the New Testament is clear throughout that uh, faith and repentance are really the twin wings, if you will, of the bird of salvation. Uh, You really can't have salvation without those two aspects. And uh, sadly, as I say, many churches today, many preachers seem to have forgotten at least one of those two wings. Of course, you have the image, don't you, of John the Baptist uh, crying in the wilderness, uh, repent for the kingdom of God is nigh. Uh, There's a certain sense in which repentance was always to be a part of the gospel message, but the call is to turn and uh, change direction. And uh, I guess that's what repentance means, to turn around and start to follow a different direction. Yeah, well, that's exactly it, and it was the uniform teaching of everyone, as you say, John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, Paul, all of them preached repentance. In fact, uh, some have noted that, you know, we like to think the last words of Jesus were to the church, go out and preach the gospel to everyone, but actually the last words of the church Jesus addressed to the church are found in the book of Revelation, and as you know, the the seven letters to the seven churches in Revelation, well, at least in five of them, uh, Jesus tells the church to repent. So if you want to look at the very last words of Jesus that we have recorded uh, to the churches, it is this one of repentance. And as you say, it's uh, it involves uh, having a turn. Uh, as we probably know, the Greek word metanoeo, uh, you know, very simply means 
of a change of mind, uh, but it is more than just that. It's not just mere mental assent. Oh, well, I'm a sinner. I got to change. I got that. I uh, thought that through all right. Uh, but it really is a change of the whole person, a change from self and sin to the Lordship of Christ in every area of life. So it has to include this element of faith and trust in Christ. It has to have this element of knowledge of, yeah, I'm a sinner uh, heading in the wrong direction. But it really does mean, okay, uh, by God's grace, I'm going to turn from sin and self. I'm going to turn to Christ and let him be Lord of my life in every area. So that's the kind of the bigger picture look at biblical repentance. It's often been preached that way. But as we say, sadly, in some churches today, that seems to kind of go missing. When you do separate repentance from the gospel message, it's like uh, keep on going the way that you're going, but just believe on Jesus. And uh, a couple of words you have been unpacking, cheap grace came from the pen of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. What did he mean by that? Yeah, well, he's certainly one of the more famous writers to really bring us back to what gospel truth is all about. And of course, it was not just theory for him. As you know, he was the German Lutheran pastor who paid the price for genuine uh, Christian grace. That is, he was killed by the Nazis uh, back in the 1940s. He uh, stood up against Hitler and the regime But he also said to fellow Christians and in the churches, you know, the reason why most churches are not resisting Hitler and his obvious diabolical uh, agenda is, you know, we've been preaching cheap grace, this idea that God loves us just the way we are. We really need to make no change whatsoever. We just give mental assent to gospel truths without letting the Holy Spirit penetrate, convict us of sin. Uh, move us to turn from sin into Christ, and uh, Bonhoeffer stressed that over and over. This is cheap grace. It's not biblical grace, and it's not enough grace to get you saved, but it's enough uh, false grace to deceive many and to result in a very shallow faith, one that can't even see the dangers of somebody like Hitler. Bill, sometimes the way we talk about repentance often is a concern because obviously repentance is sometimes considered to be a hard thing and even a bad thing for people who don't want to change any direction in their life. But there is a certain sense, isn't there, that when sinful behavior or the sinful nature can lead to death or even debilitating circumstances for a life, as we know happens, there's a certain sense in which repentance is just the most beautiful and best thing that can happen, that you turn away from those things that lead to death. Is there some way in which we perhaps have a definition of repentance a little wrong? Well, I think we often do, but I think the what you've just said, we could tie in a little bit more familiar or practical, if you will, example, if you're married, get in an argument with your spouse, right? Any good loving husband or a wife, uh, certainly that's a Christian, you know, at some point they're going to go to the other and say, look, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? I flew off the handle or I shouldn't have said that or whatever it is to restore that relationship, to get right with your partner. 
you, uh, you know, you, well, that's repentance. You say you're sorry. You ask for forgiveness. So it's uh, in similar ways here uh, with Christian gospel. It's uh, agreeing with God. Yes, again, that mental assent, but it also involves uh, a sense of being sorry. Now, we have to take care here. Because it's not just feelings. It's not just a whole bunch of bad feelings. Oh, woe is me. I'm really a terrible person. And, you know, uh, that may well come a sense of conviction of sin, a sense of, oh, I've offended a holy God. How dare I do that? So, you know, there might be emotion that goes with it. But uh, penance, uh, we could even talk, if you will, of our friends in the Catholic Church who do uh, put a lot of emphasis on this and perhaps how much Christ suffered on the cross physically. But the uh, evangelical point of view is really that Christ did everything for us on the cross. So it's not a question of working ourselves up, really feeling sorry or having feelings of anything. It's really a matter of agreeing with God. We desperately need him. Without him, we're lost. And, uh, yeah, then is, well, that's justification coming into the kingdom, and then the rest of our lives we have sanctification where we grow in a knowledge of God and his grace and his holiness, and that means we will grow in a knowledge of our own sinfulness. There's a sense in which we keep discovering, wow, I really am a, a rotten, dirty scoundrel in so many ways. You know, I might have been a Christian for 30 years, but I'm just even now seeing how whatever impatient I can be or short-tempered I am or how, uh, you know, I've been so selfish in so many areas. So and there's a, a sense in which repentance, as so many of the greats have said, is a, is a lifelong experience. It's a one-off to get saved, in which we trust in the work of Christ, but then it's a continuous work of sanctification, becoming more like Christ as we become aware more of who God is and of our own nature. As you say, there may be some deficiency where some churches tend to avoid talking about repentance because it may not be as popular. There's also this other sense, Bill, that I feel does happen sometimes, is that that we're happy to talk about repentance in amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, but very reluctant to uh, stand on a street corner and yell the word repent or to say that to people who are outside of Christianity, those non-Christians. What are your thoughts for how we might use this terminology or explain this idea of repentance to people who are outside of church? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, In fact, in my article that I wrote this week, I spoke about how there's often some Christians who say, I really want to get back to you know, primitive Christianity, I want to get back to the real deal, I want to get back to the early church, well, that's that's a good sentiment to have, and of course, the best way you can do it, at least in terms of learning what the early church was all about, what they did, what they said, is of course to study carefully the book of Acts. And uh, so I took upon myself just to go through all the occasions simply in this one book of the Bible, the book of Acts, where repentance is discussed, where repentance is demanded. Uh, And, you know, I've got quite a few verses I list in my article, all from one book. 
And they, of course, make it pretty clear that they had no such fear that most moderns have when it comes to declaring the gospel to, well, complete strangers. In fact, they didn't even go on about, you know, you have to build relationships and loving relationship, and over a couple of years, then you can maybe share the gospel. They just went out to complete strangers, as you say, on the streets, started preaching the gospel, and that included preaching repents. So they had no worries about, oh, I might offend a non-Christian or I might turn them off. They just proclaimed Christ and the need of repentance. Uh, And, well, again, read the book of Acts. You see the results. The church grew by leaps and bounds. So if we want to learn from the church, that's probably the first lesson we need to learn. And Bill, you have lots and lots of quotes from Scripture, especially out of the book of Acts, and you also are an avid collector of books and uh, the finest authors of history. Uh, Is there a favorite quote from any of your favorite authors that sums up some of the things we're talking about today? Well, it's a problem because there are so many. Uh, As I said in my piece, it'd be hundreds I could choose from. Uh, I did feature a few of my favorites. I suppose I can find a few of the shorter and better ones, Um, although I like them all, I must say. Um, There's a bunch that uh, many of us are familiar with, say by a Spurgeon or a Martin Lloyd-Jones, people like that. Um, Vance Havner may not be as familiar to some, but I like what he said. Repentance is almost a lost note in our preaching and experience, and the lack of it is filling churches with baptized sinners who have never felt the guilt of sin or the need of a Savior. We are trying to get young people to say, here I am, before they have ever said, woe is me. Uh, J.C. Ryle, another famous uh, English preacher of uh, not all that long ago, said this, There are no impenitent people in heaven. All who enter have felt, mourned over, forsaken, and sought pardon for sin in Christ. Maybe just one more quickie from Matthew Henry, the famous commentator and Puritan. Some people do not like to hear much of repentance, but I think it is so necessary that if I should die in the pulpit, I would desire to die preaching repentance, and if out of the pulpit, I would desire to die practicing it. So a lot of good quotes there from a lot of great saints and uh, plenty more that people can look to. Bill, a good reminder today of the importance of repentance. The article we're talking about, one that you wrote just a little earlier this week, No Repentance, No Gospel. And listeners can find that article and other articles that Bill's been writing through this past week at billmuhlenberg.com or you can simply Google Culture Watch One Word. Bill, thanks so much for the update today on 2020. Always a pleasure. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.